uh, he blessed me with a woman who is not only an amazing disciple of Jesus Christ, but he blessed me, thankfully, with a woman who is an amazing disciple of Dave Ramsey. How many other disciples? We have any disciples of Dave Ramsey we've got here? Uh, you, you may not know this about Trish. This is just one of the wonderful things that she does, but Trish is a leader in an online community of about 55,000 people. Uh, and she is one of the leaders of that community. She uh, encourages people to, uh, to follow the principles that Dave Ramsey lays out and to find ways to financial peace and freedom. And she encourages them to, uh, to take all those baby steps and be able to pay off their debts and, and uh, be able to live debt-free lives. If you know anything at all about Dave Ramsey's baby steps, you know that the first baby step is that you get yourself an emergency fund, that you establish an emergency fund to, because life is full of those things that are unknown, life is full of things that are unexpected, things that are unplanned, and when those things come, you want to be ready. You want to have that emergency fund in place. That kind of reminds me of something that Paul says in his letter to the Philippians. We've been looking at the letter to the Philippians the last several weeks as we talked about joy. And in Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You remember that, right? Well, just a chapter earlier, he says something very similar. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again and again, and it is a safeguard for you. It is a safeguard. That's a, another word for it is an emergency fund. You have an emergency fund of joy because life is full of things that are unexpected, that, that are unplanned. Life is full of the unknowns. And when those unknowns hit, it's important to have an emergency fund of joy. Joy is a valuable commodity in those times. Today is Palm Sunday. It is the kickoff for the Easter week. Today we remember Jesus' triumphal entry with the children coming with the palms and, and uh, waving the palms and throwing the palms down for Jesus to, to come into Jerusalem. We think about Palm Sunday, the day that he rode into Jerusalem it, to the sound of the disciples rejoicing, but, but we know that on Thursday uh, he will be arrested. On Friday he will be tried and, and he will be crucified. And by Friday night they'll put his body in the tomb. The, the disciples are less than a week away from the unknown, from the unexpected, from the unplanned. They're less than a week away from a, a time in their life when they will not be able to rejoice, and instead, they will run away in fear. There are times in all of our lives when joy is hard to find, time when, when fear seems to rule. And in those times, we, we need that safeguard. We need that emergency fund of joy to get us through those difficult times, times when it's hard for us to see the goodness of God. We, we know that God is good, but sometimes we can't see the goodness of God. Times when it's hard to know that God is there. We know that God is always there, but sometimes it's hard to, to really understand His presence. And in those times, we need to know that God is still good. He is still there. We need a safeguard. Joy gives us a safeguard and prepares us for those difficult times. Joy looks back. Joy looks back and reminds us of God's presence. We're going to look at the Palm Sunday story today from Luke chapter 19. Joy looks back and reminds us of God's presence. Luke 19, beginning in verse 28, it's on page 878 in those Bibles 
Well, in front of you or maybe behind you, somewhere you're going to find one of them, 878. Palm Sunday is a commemoration of a parade. Uh, the Jews were returning to Jerusalem for Passover. It was a huge celebration. Jesus and His disciples weren't the only ones riding in that day. Uh, it was an exciting time for all of them, but the disciples had no idea what was ahead for them. And so we begin the story in Luke 19, verse 28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and, and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat, untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, well, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And while he was drawing near already on the way down, to, down the, the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees and the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. I want you to notice the focus of their joy here. Because the focus of their joy is not Palm Sunday. The focus of their joy was not what was happening right then. It wasn't about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. It wasn't about what was ahead because they had no idea what was ahead. But there in verse 37, it says, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. What was the focus of their joy? It was all the mighty works that they had seen. They had joy about all the amazing things that God had showed them in the past. And God had showed them a lot of amazing things. In John's Gospel, John tells us that just before entering Jerusalem, Jesus was in Bethany, and it was there in Bethany that He raised His friend Lazarus from the dead. His disciples had seen that. That was, that was amazing. That was miraculous. Luke tells us that prior to coming into Jerusalem, Jesus healed a blind man on the side of the road. That was amazing. They, they saw the healing of the blind man. Luke also tells us that he healed ten lepers on his way into Jerusalem. They had seen these miraculous things. Luke literally says they had seen power. And as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, they weren't thinking about what was ahead. They were remembering what was behind, and it caused them to rejoice. And it strikes me, that there are going to be times in life when your present circumstances give you no reason to rejoice. There are going to be times in life when, when your present circumstances give you no reason to rejoice. And when that happens, uh, when what's happening what won't make you happy, and, and when that happens, how will you praise God? How will you rejoice then? Paul says in Philippians 3.1, Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write this to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. You need an emergency fund of joy. Reasons, full of reasons to be thankful. 
You need to remind yourself that God is present even when you can't feel his presence. I am really bad at journaling. I've tried to keep a prayer journal. I I have tried over and over again to to journal and and to write different kinds of different kinds of journals and and I'm just not very good at it. My my life is not does not have that kind of consistency, thanks in part to the kid that just left and to go get donuts. You know, that's that's my life, you know. There's always somebody that wants donuts, and there's no time to journal when you've got to go get donuts. And, and so journaling's been one of those things that I just haven't been able to do. But there's one thing that I do. I keep a record. It's on my computer, it's on my phone. I keep a record of, of reasons to praise God. I, I keep a file full of answers of prayer. I keep a file that reminds me of, of those times when, when God just kind of stepped in and did something miraculous, things that I can't explain, but all of a sudden God showed up. And so I keep that file because I know that there will be a day when I need to look over that file. I know there will be a day when I don't feel the presence of God, when I'm not sure that He's really there, and I need to go back and remind myself of his goodness and remind myself of his presence. So I, I tell myself stories about the times that I saw God move in, in powerful ways. That file is a safeguard so when difficult times come, I don't forget. Verse 37, they, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. They had no idea what was ahead of them. But everything behind them told them that something greater was coming. That's the gift of joy. Everything behind them told them something greater was coming. That's the gift of gratitude. It preserves you through today's troubles. It preserves you through tomorrow's unknowns. Joy reminds you of those times when you truly knew the presence of God and it enables you to know that he has never left you. So the disciples looked back at all that they had seen. And joy reminded them of the presence of God. But we also look at Jesus in this story, and we see that joy also looks ahead. Joy also looks ahead in anticipation of God's promise. The disciples had no idea what was ahead of them. They had no idea about the coming trial. They didn't know that their master was going to be beaten, that he was going to be humiliated. They did not know that he was going to die on a cross, and they certainly didn't know that he was going to be raised from the dead. Jesus did know those things. Jesus knew those things. He knew the pain that was ahead of him, and he went anyway. For him, preparing for that horrible and dark time leading up to the cross, it wasn't about the joy that was behind him. It was about the joy that was in front of him. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12, begins with a call to focus our attention on Jesus. Chapter 12 begins with this call that no matter what the trial we're going through, no matter what the pain we're going through, no matter what the uncertainty we're going through, we are to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Remember that song? Turn our eyes upon Jesus and allow our hearts and our minds to focus on Him. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was it that enabled Jesus 
to endure the cross. It was the joy that was set before Him. Maybe there's a cross before you right now. Maybe there's a, a painful experience that you're going through right now. Maybe, maybe it's a cross of depression. Maybe, that, maybe you're enduring that cross of depression, but you're wondering how long you can hold on. Maybe it's a cross of sickness or a cross of pain. Maybe, maybe it's just this weather that's become like a cross, and you're wondering how long can we endure this? <sighs> Whatever is in front of you, there's no way around it. Whatever it is that's in front of you, there's, there's no way around it. And after a while, it, it becomes difficult to see what the other side looks like. What could healing look like? What could healthiness look like? What could wholeness look like? What could happiness look like? One of the things we need in those times is a very clear picture of what better looks like. Not perfect, but better. What does better look like? I'm not talking about some unrealistic expectation where, where everything is perfect, but a reasonable image in your mind and in your heart of what the other side of the struggle looks like. What does the other side of this illness look like? What does the other side of, of depression look like? What are we learning in the midst of the pain to make us better on the other side? Do you have a picture in your mind of what better looks like? Just like that list of, of answered prayers in the past, just like that list of blessings, you need to write down that image of what better looks like and set that joy before you to help you to endure. We read those words about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. I always think about that. I think, what's, what is the joy that was set before Jesus? What's, what's He talking about there? The joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. What was Jesus looking forward to on the other side of the cross? Was it the prospect of returning to the Father? Returning to heaven? I, th I think that has to be part of it. You know, I think returning to the Father's side, that's, that's part of the joy that was set before Him. But I think it's more than that. I think the joy that was set before Jesus was you and me. I think, I think it was us. I think it was knowing that when He completed His task here, when He completed His task on the cross that He would be home with us. The promise of eternity with you and me gave Jesus the strength He needed to endure the cross. Jesus looked ahead to the joy that was before Him and He was able to endure. And of course, Scripture is calling us to look to Jesus as our example. It's, encur it's encouraging us to do the same. Verse 3 there in Hebrews chapter 12 goes on and says, Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow weary, so that you may not grow faint-hearted. What's it going to take for you to not give up when things are at their worst? What's it going to take for you to not give up when today's depression, when today's misery, when today's sickness and pain have all but worn you out? What will it take for you to hold on and believe that something better is yet to come? Because if you find your joy, you find your strength. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you find your joy, you find your strength. That might mean looking back. That might mean looking back and having a list of all the times that prayers have been answered, all the times that God has shown up and done something amazing in your life. It might mean looking ahead 
So what does the other side of this trial look like? What does the other side look like? What does better look like? I shared with you last week a little bit about Dr. Bob Kirka. Dr. Kirka was one of my professors I had last semester. I went into last semester's classes thoroughly intimidated by Dr. Kirka because all I knew was, this guy's smart, and I'm not. And I left at the end of that semester feeling so encouraged by not just a brilliant man, but a brilliant man of God who encouraged me and blessed me and just was, was just such a wonderful example. And I just absolutely enjoyed Dr. Kirka and couldn't wait to take more classes. A week ago today, Dr. Kirka came home. I've shared with you many times that Dr. Kirka's had cancer for several years and Dr. Kirka's had some heart problems. Uh, a week ago today, Dr. Kirka came home under hospice care and uh, he's been given about two weeks to, to live, two weeks until he sees Jesus face to face. Dr. Kirka has taken an interesting approach to his last two weeks. Do you know that when you have cancer and you have heart problems, there are foods that they don't let you eat? And did you know that once you go on hospice care, you can eat whatever you want? And so Dr. Kirka is eating whatever he wants. And he's welcoming people into his home and he's encouraging people and, and he's just living life to the fullest because not just for the joy that's behind him, not just for the way that God has shown him over and over again that he is real, that he is present, that he answers prayers, but for everything that's in front of him. Dr. Kirkin knows for the joy that is set before him, he can endure what he's going through now. If you find your joy, you will find your strength. That may mean looking back. It may mean looking ahead. There's a little psalm in Psalm 30, in verse 5, one little verse. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Sorrow may last for the night. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've had those nights of sorrow, those nights when, when the pressures of life and the stresses of life are so hard. But that's not where the verse ends. The verse says, Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Are you as aware, as aware as you might be of your pain, as aware as you might be of, the, of those sorrows and of that depression or that difficulty that you're going through now, can you be just as aware of the reality of joy? Even when you can't feel it, can you know God's promise? Look back at all that he has done in the past and look ahead to the fulfillment of every promise he's ever made and know that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's stand and pray. Father, today we stand with the disciples. We stand in awe of the miracles and the power that we've seen from your Son. We stand and, and we shout praises, but we are aware that there is a cross before us. And we know that times will come that will test our faith and our ability to hold on tightly to you. We look to you for a safeguard of joy for those times. Call to our memories those times when you have blessed us and those times when we have known your presence so that we can endure today's struggle. Point us to the joy that is before us and let us know that whatever the difficulty we're suffering through today, joy will come in the morning. Give us strength to stand firm with, a, with that image firmly in our hearts and in our minds. And as we prepare for Easter worship next weekend, draw us again to your son's gift. He paid for our sins on the cross. He proved his power 
through the empty tomb. Let us hold tight to him so that no matter what we endure, we will not lose heart. It's to his glory and in his name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.